Hello and welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. My name is Laura Boyle and I'm going to be your host as always. This week, we're actually in a way going on a trip down memory lane for me. We're going to be talking about how it is that I came to polyamory uh, so that we can look at making relationship agreements from two different perspectives. First, from that of coming to polyamory as uh, a single or unattached person who's just encountering the idea of polyamory and thinks it sounds like a great idea. And then from the perspective of someone who's coming to polyamory from a monogamous perspective with a partner. And the reason that my story is sort of relevant to this is that in a weird way, I kind of came to polyamory twice. And I know that when I tell the kind of simplified storyline, that's not exactly how I tell it. We'll get there in a second. I've got to do all of our standard hellos, yeses, disclaimers first. So to get all of that opening stuff out of the way, as always, you can find our blog at www.readyforpolyamory.com. I post there at least twice a week, usually a little bit more. Uh, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash ready for polyamory. And we've got a lively little community there getting started. I'd love it if you come join us. I'd love it if you sort of post there talking about what's going on with you in polyamory, your joys, your problems, your whatever's up, and we'll all chime in and discuss and have a great time. We've also got, of course, the Patreon, where I am very grateful for our patrons who keep the lights on here at the podcast. They are the Green Wolf Podcast, Corwin, Timmy, and Jacqueline for now. I'd love it if you came and joined them. Uh, if you don't want to make a regular contribution, but you really enjoy a particular episode of the podcast or a particular post on the blog and want to give me a little tip into my hat here, you can always go to ko-fi.com slash ready for polyamory and do that for the low, low price of a cup of coffee. That's what all of their branding is. I still refuse to pronounce it coffee because it looks like ko-fi should rhyme with lo-fi, doesn't it? Anyway. Moving forward, uh, having gotten all of those things out of the way, let's get into today's episode on relationship agreements and polyamory through this sort of lens of how I came into consensually non-monogamous relationships. So today's episode feels like perhaps I should have somebody here interviewing me. Can we get me Oprah? Were you polyamorous or a polyamorist? Yes, sight gags on my podcast again. But seriously, we're going to discuss a little bit about how I got into the world of consensual non-monogamy and polyamory because while I tend to simplify it down to girl met boy, girl started having open relationships a few years later, girl fell in love enough times that she and partners redefined it as polyamory, um... It's a little bit less of a linear story, and there's a lot there in terms of lessons on how one might want to or not want to make early relationship agreements, right? And we've talked on the blog a little bit, or actually kind of a lot, about how making, revisiting, and refining your relationship agreements 
is a big part of having polyamorous relationships because, you know, things change as you go forward in your relationships. And in one of our really early episodes, uh, my metamor, who was my guest at the time, Bella Greenwolf, said that her polyamorous relationship has looked different just about every year, year and a half that they've been polyamorous, right? So if you took a snapshot at every year, 18 months of their polyamory, it would be a completely differently defined relationship. And I think that's true for a lot of us. And part of that is just that you get comfortable with different things and that you sort of grow as a person. And that happens in monogamy too. Everybody grows as people and kind of redefines their lives. But in polyamory, that often manifests itself in relationship agreements changing. And so we're going to talk a little bit about both sort of considering what you need in setting initial relationship agreements and in considering kind of best practices in reviewing relationship agreements before their uh, explosive needs to review them. So let's get into this a little bit through this uh, story of my own life. I don't usually like to get into huge amounts of detail about my own past um, because as I've said on the blog a little bit, like I like giving that kind of social media curated view of who I am uh, and that's not actually always helpful. So I'm going to try to be a little more helpful <laughs> and a little bit more forthcoming and honest in this episode about some of my early struggles with this, right? So in the mid-2000s, uh, when I was just starting college and I was 19 years old, I, as the legend goes, uh, met a guy who was like, hey, let's go out on a date. And on this first date, he was like, so have you heard of open relationships? And as a very forward thinking, progressive, doing a like gender and sexual diversity studies minor kind of girl, I was like, of course I've heard of this. I listened to Dan Savage because, you know, it was the early to mid 2000s, like that was still progressive. Um, and right. So I give this answer and he starts telling me about the relationship that he's in and our back and forth, because up until this point, we've established that we have pretty good chemistry, that we have a lot of interests in common, that there's some interest in being in a relationship. So now it's sort of, well, this is the other relationship I'm in. And these are the sort of conditions that will have to be met for us to be dating, right? It becomes a lot of prices of admission for me. Um, and I don't advise that that be how you enter into a non-monogamous relationship for the first time, right? Like, it might be how you hear of one, uh, but I sort of suggest you take a little bit more time to go home and think about it than I did, because I was just kind of like, 
Oh, that doesn't sound that different from like dating around that I'm doing anyway. Sure, we'll try this and maybe I'll change my mind in a couple weeks. That's fine. <laughs> um, and eventually we like came up with a couple of sort of basic agreements that I realized weren't really covered in what we'd talked about where I came back and was like, hey, you know, we in a really vague way said that we'd quote unquote be safe when we're seeing other people. Uh, what does that mean to you? And we talked about it for a minute and it turned out that it meant roughly the same thing to each of us at the time. And so that was fine. But I think that was the only like actual boundary conversation that we had in that entire uh, seven or eight month relationship. But at the end of that seven or eight months, he was like, hey, you like, I think you are one of the great loves of my life and my other relationship has collapsed and... I would love it if this were something that became really serious and how would you feel about considering converting to my religion so that someday we could consider getting married? And I was like, I am 19 years old. Good day, sir. So my first non-monogamous relationship was not like a stunning success here. Right. So I didn't come out of that being like, this is the only way I'm ever going to do relationships ever again. I was reading a lot of like interesting theoretical work at this time. None of it being the like books we recommend to people now, all of it being like super dry, academic, unapproachable stuff that's a little bit gatekeepy on purpose if you know what I mean that I don't recommend people just get up and read because I was in the middle of doing a degree um and I was like well you know what that relationship was kind of garbage but this concept is kind of interesting and it could be a way more deliberate version of the like hookup culture thing that all of my friends are doing because remember this is like 2006 and so everything like every think piece you read is about hookup culture and how no one can date anymore so I had never heard the term polyamory I had been in one relationship that called itself an open relationship where, like, I just kind of kept dating around for a portion of the relationship. And eh, I was a college student, so everyone was just kind of dating around. It was not a big deal. This is not very inspiring yet, right? I've made, like, one relationship agreement. I do not suggest only making one relationship agreement. But I'm now sitting down and doing a whole bunch of thinking that I suggest people sort of do before they do the thing rather than after they have the relationship where they go, well, that didn't go very well. 
Although it's perfectly valid if you, like me, meet someone, try something, realize it didn't go very well, and then go, well, what about that didn't go very well? Let's figure this out. So whether or not that was your trigger, I suggest then sort of sitting down and figuring out kind of what you want and don't want out of this experience and mode of expression in your relationships. And I decided that what I did want out of this was I wanted the ability to have deliberately formed and like loving and expressive relationships with people that didn't have to be sexually exclusive because I couldn't see the point of that. And like, I realize that you guys can't see me and I'm sort of halfway doing a sight gag right now. But like, I am pretty much the least sexually jealous person on the planet. So to me, the entire idea of sexual exclusivity as the point of a relationship has never made any sense or as like a proof of commitment has never made any sense, but I wanted to have multiple relationships where people cared for one another without focusing on the on the physical side of it needing to be exclusive. Right? And where there was actual communication about all of the things that had been like dictated to me in a list in a rush and weren't up for negotiation when they should have been and have more conversations that went like the one little sexual health conversation that was an actual conversation. So I was like, okay. I'm a talker who wants to be actively engaged in building my relationships and I want those relationships to be open to be both loving and sexual and I don't see the point of exclusivity. Open relationship is probably the right word for that. Let's see if anyone else is interested in doing this. And I was getting involved in my local kink scene at the time and it turned out that there were other people doing this, right? And some of them were only doing this in the context of, like, play with other people. But there were lots of people doing very careful negotiation, not just around scenes, but around their relationships. And negotiating boundaries around what was happening, what wasn't, what was sort of admissible and what wasn't, and what parts of their relationship were happening with which people. And so a lot of that, for the next, like, year and a half, formed a kind of personal theory of ethics for me around how to conduct myself in deliberately engaging in making relationships with people, right? So because it came out of relationships in my local kink scene where... A lot of the relationships I was engaging in were power exchange relationships or involved a lot of play that involved power exchange or involved 
situations where there was a quote-unquote couple or relationship with a capital R and in quotes to be protected or to be prioritized there was still like a lot of hierarchy involved in my thinking but I was sort of as often the person outside of those situations creating a kind of mental equivalent of what later got published the like secondaries bill of rights uh, built in in my head as a sort of result of being in that position a lot and so I'm doing all this kind of academic reading in person I'm learning a lot about negotiation and developing my personal ethics in the local kink scene and I'm figuring out that what's really important to me is making these agreements and that the best way to make them is to kind of talk them out and if things last long enough that the agreements don't work for us anymore, adjust them as we go. The problem is, both because I was a very young person who didn't know a lot about communicating, and because I was a very young person with a temper, <laughs> there were a lot of very explosive things not working. Right? So there were a lot of fights and a lot of like, we had to have a big fight before we could figure out that something hadn't worked. And there was dishonesty and sort of mistreatment and whatever involved in a lot of these early interactions. And like, I want to make it clear that many people are way more mature when they figure out that they want to try polyamory than I was just because I was so young and I didn't have a ton of relationship experience period but also there's a certain effect that you see even in people who are older that because they got into a monogamous relationship when they were really young stayed in that for 20 years and then try to restart having relationships they do a like I'm gonna re-become that early 20-something person for the first few polyamorous relationships that I have because they didn't have that many relationships before they settled in with the one person so they know how to have a relationship with that person, but they don't know how to date and reform agreements and do the early steps anymore. Because <laughs> it's not the same as the later in a relationship adjustments to do the initial like legwork of meeting someone, figuring out where your boundaries are and settling in. So then I met my now ex-husband and we fell sort of wildly in love to the point of being sort of functionally monogamous for a big chunk of a year, right? Like we were just head over heels about each other. 
I was in my last year of university and thought I might be moving away at the end of it. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this thing I'm doing and maybe I'll see other people a little, but not really. Forget about it. And we hadn't like formally defined anything. So we hadn't had a lot of these big talks that in theory I wanted to be having about any of this. And I blame this entirely on the fact that I was like, I don't know if I'd turned 21 yet. I was very young, guys. Like, when you think of, part of the thing of polyamory is that because you're doing so many relationships concurrently, especially if you're a young woman who's in high demand in a given scene, um, sometimes it feels like a lot of time passed when pretty much no time passed. So I had many several concurrent relationships over like two and a half years where in a normal, I don't want to call it normal, but in a monogamous context, I'd have probably had one, right? <laughs> Maybe two. And so... I'm still very young and figuring my shit out. And so I'm like head over heels and not making the like brightest of choices maybe. And so when we finally get around to going, okay, so what are we going to define this relationship as? Are we going to break up because I'm thinking of moving? Are we going to, are we dating at all? Is there something to break up? What is this? It turns out that we have, like, entirely different opinions of what what we're doing is and of what we want things to be. Because, like, we've talked enough that he knows that I was doing open, concurrent relationships with people up through the beginning of when we were seeing each other and that they just sort of fell to the side as people started being busy and I didn't keep pursuing them because I was having a good time with him or whatever. But it hadn't occurred to him that that might be something I wanted to keep doing. He'd just kind of assumed that we were going to relationship escalator our way through. Okay, now the relationship is going to become exclusive. And then after it becomes exclusive, we'll see what like when we're going to move in together and when this is going to happen and when that's going to happen. And he was like, well, so I thought the choices were we're going to break up or we're going to be long distance and then we're going to be long distance and exclusive and then you're going to move back or I'm going to move to be closer to you and then we're going to move in together. And so we had to have this very, like, carefully framed conversation about what being together was going to mean and make all of these agreements. So we finally had the giant conversation about what us being in a non-monogamous relationship was going to look like. And so we ended up making a list of agreements and they were basically 
all based in our insecurities about each other. So the only one that wasn't based in our insecurities about each other were, or was, were, I guess, because there were two, were the ones about sexual safety, were how often we were going to get tested, and what uh, methods of pregnancy and STI prevention we were going to use. Those were the only ones. Everything else was like, I'm insecure about X, Y, and Z type of people, so either we're going to set it up so that I have veto power or we're going to make categories of people who you're not going to see in both directions. Like, he had, like, lists of people who I wasn't going to see and I similarly was like, okay, so I understand that you're gonna see whoever you're gonna see but not these people (laughs) or that person or whatever right like and in hindsight that sounds terrible I wouldn't do that today but sitting down at 21 making a list of how this was gonna work it seemed perfectly reasonable it was this like deeply hierarchical deeply set up to like protect the two of us as a unit while we were going to be separated for I think it was almost a year and then you know we were going to see each other very occasionally but we were going to be about nine hours apart and then eventually be back together in the same place and like protect the two of us as a unit at like all costs and the all costs were really awful to anyone who wasn't us if you sort of look in hindsight at these rules that we made and so as soon as we settled into a routine of how our lives were going and realized that nothing bad was happening when we were starting to see people we started crossing rules off of this list. Like, entire, the entire section of, like, categories of people we couldn't see dropped right off the list pretty much as soon as we realized that, like, the first time each of us was in love with somebody else and it was fine and we were still in love with one another. Well, okay, all of my insecurities about you being with somebody who's more whatever. I don't actually remember what my categories were at this time. I'm pretty sure it, like, given my current insecurities, that it probably had something to do with being, like, much younger, blonder, and smaller than me, but I don't know for sure. Um, And, like, everything pretty much came off of the list aside from informing each other what was going on, sexual safety, and being generally upfront, right? Like, we got to a point where we still hadn't found the word polyamory, or like we'd heard of it, but we weren't using it. But we were functionally polyamorous. We each had another partner who we were saying I love you to. 
we had casual partners who like who we weren't saying I love you to, but we were seeing regularly. We had a big friend group who we were super affectionate with and like emotionally intimate with. It was from some people's point of view, like living the poly dream for a couple of years there, right? And really it was an overtime deletion of all of these limitations that we'd attempted to put on one another from a pretty solid place of insecurity that felt immovable at the moment that we made these rules, right? And they went from being, okay, this isn't a rule anymore. This is like a wiggly guideline. Can we just talk about it before it happens? And each of us would sort of bring these things up as a, hey, I was thinking about this. Can we talk about it for a minute? And then loosen it. And then after a while, it would become, hey, uh, I'm just going to take that off. That doesn't have to be there anymore. And so the reason that I'm telling this whole story is because all of that and all of those experiences and later experiences in other relationships where sort of a similar dynamic but with much less intensity because later having had those experiences I knew well enough to not um, not get so run away by my own insecurities and I was better able to decide what things I actually needed in terms of real needs and boundaries and not in terms of sort of protecting a relationship rather than myself as a person because protecting a relationship which is a made-up concept doesn't really work protecting yourself as a human being while not always possible because the entire point of interacting with others is emotion and vulnerability is at least a more possible goal right so the reason I'm sort of saying all this is that the process of going through that a few times and watching what worked and what didn't work and what what were rules that weren't really followable what were like things that we made up as rules that were like actually logistically it is impossible for us to say we're gonna spend this many nights together before we spend a single night apart or we're only gonna spend nights apart if we both can absolutely go out on exactly the same night with no care for anyone else's schedule like those sorts of things ended up hurting other people and hurting us and the reason I tell this whole story and bring it all up is to get to this is why I give the advice that I do about setting relationship agreements the way that I suggest doing it if you're coming out of a monogamous relationship and you want to explore polyamory, right? If it's not one of us has already met someone or both of us have already met someone and 
we're now addressing those emotions in how we're talking about polyamory. If it's, we've heard of this concept of polyamory and we think it sounds cool and we want to look at what we both want out of it. I think the best way to sort of think of baseline relationship agreements that you can then go back and look at over time is to go apart from one another and each make a list of your concerns. Not rules that you want, but the things that you're worried about. So are you worried about maybe catching an STI? Are you worried about maybe my partner will leave? Are you worried about maybe my partner will meet someone who is much handsomer than me, (laughs) right? Like, because I know one of my concerns was my partner will find someone who is way prettier and smarter than me and then leave. And it was that whole sequence, like all of it together at once. They wouldn't, in my head, leave if the person wasn't also prettier and smarter than me. It was one whole giant worry. So, you know, make the list of your actual concerns. Are your concerns logistical? Are you worried that you'll feel lonely when your partner is out on a date? Are you concerned that housework will become unbalanced if you're out more because of dating? Are you worried that you'll lose hobby time because you'll have to be picking up slack on childcare because partner is out dating, right? So you make your list of concerns. Do it in the whole thing in two columns. In the next column, list a suggestion of what you think an agreement might be that you and your partner could make that could mitigate that concern. Have them do the same thing in a separate room, not talking to each other yet. Bring the two sets together. Anything that you guys agreed is a concern, write the concerns down on a piece of paper. Right? Look at your suggestions. If the suggestions match, shake hands on it. Adopt the suggestion as an agreement. Look, you have an agreement. You have come to an accord. But the things where you have different suggestions, look at what the difference is. Is the difference in wording? Is the difference in meaning? Try to figure it out and parse it out between the two of you. If it's a matter of degree, figure out if the person whose suggestion is a little bit more extreme or is taking things slower or whatever the case may be is the one that makes more sense in the situation or is the one that might be the one that you can adopt for now and do a check-in in a couple weeks or a couple months or after you've both been dating for a little while so that you can see if your comfort levels have shifted and you can shift what the agreement is a little bit afterwards and take it from there, right? So The things that are everyone's concerns, do that first. Then the things that are only one person's concern or the others, talk about them between you first. See if just by talking about it and reassuring each other, 
you can remove some of the concern. If you can't, then look at the person's suggestion for how it might be mitigated. If you think their suggestion is something that you as the other partner would be happy to do, adopt that as an agreement. If it's not something you would be happy to do, if it's something that makes you uncomfortable or that feels coercive or that you just think is kind of unreasonable for whoever you're going to be seeing to have imposed upon them, don't make the agreement. Talk about it more. Figure out some other thing that might also help them. Give them your counter suggestion. Figure out if with reassurance and your counter suggestion you can meet somewhere in the middle and adopt some alternative agreement, right? When you've adopted some agreements, keep sort of linked to the agreement in your head what the concern it's supposed to be solving is. Because the point of the agreements isn't so much the agreements themselves, even though the agreements are important, because like we've talked about before in polyamory since like sexual exclusivity isn't the point so cheating isn't being an exclusive cheating is breaking agreements agreements are important but the reason agreements are important is because they're solving a problem for you guys right you don't make an agreement unless it's doing something for you you don't make an agreement for no reason in a few weeks or a few months, you come back and you look at it. It's better if you do it when you're both calm and there's no big thing happening and no one's broken anything, right? If you only come back to agreements because someone isn't following them once or repeatedly or whatever, it's harder, <laughs> right? If you come back when it's calm, you can talk about it. You can go, hey, I'm not actually as concerned about this anymore. Are you still? And if the other person is still, you can leave it there. If it was a concern that was only one person's concern to begin with and they say, hey, this has been going really well. I'm not that concerned about this anymore. Whoop, you can get rid of it. And over time, you might find that your list of agreements or rules or however you want to frame it gets shorter and shorter because you're more secure a lot of rules and agreements end up being based, especially when you first sort of come out of a monogamous framework, in a position of this is new, this is a little nerve-wracking, I'm a little bit insecure about all the change. Because change is destabilizing. Humans aren't very good at it. So that's the framework I suggest when you're doing this in a partnered way. When you're doing this in an unpartnered way, looking for yourself at what are common pain points for me? What are things that I kind of worry about in relationships? So what are things that I need to advocate for myself in? Do I need to make sure that I'm advocating for my sexual health? Do I need to make sure that I'm advocating for enough time in a relationship that I feel valued? Do I need to make sure that 
I understand what the expectations around communication are. Is that going to include check-ins on agreements? Uh, do I need to make sure that if they're already in a partnership that I know what the rules of that partnership are that apply to me and that I have some degree of say in if there are changes to those, right? Like if somebody has a bunch of rules that impact you, once you're in a new relationship with them, you should get some degree of influence or say in how those rules change especially if they're becoming more intense or with more impact on you not less and that's something you can advocate for yourself for so like think about these needs and boundaries that you have and be prepared to include them in an early conversation about the kind of polyamorous relationship you want to have and like we talk a lot on the blog about things like the shape of polyamorous relationship you want to have and the style of how you want to do it. And early on, you probably don't know. You won't know until you start meeting people whether you are comfortable with hanging out with your metas, whether you want to be more parallel or more kitchen table, whether you are interested in uh, relationship anarchy as a concept, what you really want to do. And honestly, that's fine. And saying something like, hey, I've only been polyamorous for a little while. I've been in X number of relationships and they ran this way, but I'm not married to that is a really good, honest thing to do. Saying, I like the sound of this theory but I'm not certain that that's what I want is really valid. Doing a little bit of reading, a couple of articles or whatever, to get an idea of what you want is really helpful. But you don't have to go out and read a whole library. There are certainly basic books or basic articles that can be really helpful. Um, I'll throw links to a couple of the sort of... Uh, sort of how-to manuals of polyamory and open relationships in the show notes because there are several that are pretty good. Um, and for people just starting out, having some idea of the shape of relationship you want is great, knowing if you're becoming non-monogamous, if what you want is a mostly sexual non-monogamous relationship or if you want to try to do something that is mostly love-based is a pretty important distinction. Going, ah, I'm aiming for something that's mostly sexual, but I know there's always a chance that I catch feels. Just so you know, I'm not against that. Is great sort of self-awareness and honesty to have. So things like that are good things to know about yourself regardless of whether you're partnered or not, but sort of especially if you're not, if you're getting into something new. And I'm trying to think what else I wanted to make sure I included in talking about relationship agreements because I feel like I really didn't know how to make them when I started doing this and it made my first couple of relationships 
um, a little bit more fraught than they had to be. And the one with my ex-husband turned out actually really well, despite the fact that we ended up divorced. It was for very unrelated reasons. Um, because we just happened to have values that aligned pretty well. And over time, we just sort of let rules go as our insecurities kind of fell away. But that first relationship, I just kind of was like, oh, okay, I don't know anything about this. You dictate a bunch of rules to me and that'll be cool. And it really wasn't, right? <laughs> like, there there were several relationships in that, like, first year and a bit in there where people sort of told me what their rules were and that I should follow them. And because I was a, how do I put this, nice young lady um, who was attracted to them and kind of interested in this and didn't know how any of this worked yet, I went with it and figured I'll figure it out later. And the process of figuring it out later has taught me that doing that isn't usually in people's best interest. So I'm trying to make sure that people have the tools to figure it out for themselves ahead of time a little bit in as much as they can. So I hope that some of this has been useful and that the little bit of openness and story time uh, is interesting and not just rambling. I can never really tell when it's my own stuff. Like I find other people's stories fascinating, but I know not everyone does. That's pretty much it for me this week. You can find us here next week again. And of course, on the blog at readyforpolyamory.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash readyforpolyamory. You can find us at Twitter. I'm at, I'm at lauracb88. You can find us on Instagram at readyforpolyamory. You can, of course, uh, if you'd like, join us at Patreon at patreon.com slash readyforpolyamory or drop a tip in our hat at ko-fi.com slash ready for polyamory. So we'll catch you next week. Have a good one.